Welcome to the first episode of Thrifty Corgi. Today's topic is money and marriage, and we're your hosts. I'm Anna, and this is my husband, Larry. Hey, guys, and thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the Thrifty Corgi podcast, where it's all about making smart financial choices. We'll talk about everything from money management to building a better future and everything in between. Let's start this episode. Now, let me tell you, this is such a sensitive topic for many couples across the country. It's common knowledge that this is the biggest source of stress and arguments, so much so that money problems are the leading cause of divorce in the U.S. Magnify Money ran a poll in 2017 called the Divorce and Debt Survey among 500 divorced U.S. citizens. They concluded that 21% of respondents cited money issues as the cause of their divorce. Here's a list of the top five money problems couples faced. Debt, overspending, failing to keep a budget, financial infidelity, and separation of finances or lack of separation of finances, meaning there's a lot of debate whether couples should have separate or joint bank accounts. Some said it's because they had joint accounts that they divorced. Some said it's because they had separate accounts that they divorced. The first topic we'll be diving into today is, should married couples have joint or separate accounts? Listen to this. There's a professor of sociology who specifically studies marriage at the University of Virginia. His name is Stephen Nock, and he told WebMD that people need to have separate life and existence to feel validated as as individuals. They can't live solely as somebody's partner. Now, the Business Insider has spun this into the idea that we shouldn't have joint bank accounts, stating, and I quote, For many couples, this happy separation extends to their finances, as well as their social lives. Look, I personally believe that couples should have joint bank accounts, so both people have transparency of where the money is coming and going, as well as have access in case of an emergency. Communication, transparency, and trust are big foundations in marriage. However, I feel that each individual should have the ability to fully control their account. For instance, Larry and I have individual bank accounts. They're still joint accounts, but we open more than one. I have an account where the money goes in and another account where the money goes out. I transfer as I need for bills as well as leisure spending. Larry has these two accounts as well. On a month-to-month basis, we don't access each other's accounts. We don't really share them either. If there's ever an emergency expense, God forbid something happens to Larry or me, we still have access to each other's accounts. This works well in my marriage. It worked, it's worked for us for almost four years, and honestly, I don't see this as something we'll ever have to change. Larry, what do you think? In your opinion, should all marriages have joint accounts, or do you think there's couples where this shouldn't be the case? In my opinion, couples should not have separate bank accounts, at least not truly separate. You're a team. You live under the same roof. You have kids together. You're building a future together. You share a bed together. So why not have bank accounts you can both access? I don't see a reason for separate bank accounts. At the end of the day, you both bring in money. You both take out money. It's something that is built as a team. You know, I was listening to the couple who run the His and Her Money YouTube channel. If you haven't heard of them, I recommend you look them up. They have a lot of great advice on the space of personal finance, and they said that in extreme cases, it may be necessary for couples to have separate bank accounts. 
Specifically, they referenced a couple where the husband is, was addicted to gambling, so the wife needed to have a separate account so she can live and provide for their kids. That's really sad, but I completely understand why she chose to have a separate account. And I would have to say I completely agree with this lady's decision. Larry, what do you think? Every situation is different, but my overall view is that every decision made should further the household forward. If you need two separate accounts for extreme circumstances, do so, but you need to agree on it together. Transparency and intent matter the most in pretty much every circumstance. Next matter of business, debt in marriage. As you know, there are different kinds of debt. Consumer debt, such as credit card debt, payday loans, financing a car, and there's also student loan debt, mortgage debt, and business loans, just to name some of the big ones. We're about to discuss how debt has affected our marriage after this quick break. So Larry and I, we started our marriage with debt. We accumulated more debt after we got married. I had paid off all my credit cards except one, which was used to purchase my laptop before my wedding day. When we were dating, we were under the belief that it was important to build credit. So I took out a few credit cards and used them irresponsibly, thinking I was doing a good thing for my future. I made minimum payments, then struggled to pay them off when the interest had accumulated. One card I couldn't pay off before getting married was my Best Buy card, which I used to buy a MacBook for college. That card accumulated so much interest, the monthly payment was still low, but it took forever to get rid of that card. Then Larry and I moved cities after we got married. We attended a local university and guess what? We took out student loans. And when student loans were enough, we used credit cards for additional school expenses. It wasn't until we were two years married that we discovered Dave Ramsey and his seven baby steps. We were lucky that we discovered him together. We were in the car on the way to work. We used to work for the same company, so we commuted together, and it was an hour-long commute to work. Dave Ramsey was on the radio every day on the way to work. I eventually purchased the audiobook, The Total Mini Makeover, and it was life-changing. I highly recommend it. Here's what's changed since then. We've been on the path to pay off our debt. We're still on the path, but no longer take, take out any debt. We pay cash for everything. Now, we're not following the Dave Ramsey steps 100% to be completely transparent with you guys. Instead of using his snowball strategy to pay off debt, we're using the avalanche method. Now, both methods are great. The reason that we're using the avalanche method is because this way we can lower our monthly expenses dramatically so we can leverage that to pay off more debt. Let me explain. The debt snowball is when you pay the lowest debt first and then roll over the freed up cash to the next lowest debt and so on and so forth. But we use the avalanche method instead of paying the lowest debt. We pay the debt with the highest interest first. As an effect, we save all that money that would have been paying interest and now we have more money to apply to debt. The reason that Ramsey preaches a snowball over the avalanche is because it's easier for people to do that on a small budget, as well as having a higher success rate. Polls show that people who do the snowball method are more likely to stay on course than the avalanche method. Honestly, if you happen to come across larger sums of money, then we, person, we personally uh, recommend the avalanche. In our case, my husband got a small bonus check from his job for working overtime, so we applied that amount to the avalanche. If we didn't have that money coming in, 
we'd be doing the snowball method because it would at least get rid of the number of payments we pay per month. What's important here is not the method you use for paying off debt, but simply the fact that you're getting rid of debt. We're on track to be debt free and that's what matters most. We see so many couples who don't plan to pay off debt. They walk around with their money tied up on credit cards, student loans and car financing, and they complain that they're paycheck to paycheck. If you're paycheck to paycheck because your money's tied up in debt, our advice to you is look at the snowball and the avalanche method to pay off debt. If there's no room to pay off debt, pick up a side hustle, second job, or overtime at work. It's no wonder that people feel miserable. It's not their marriage in my opinion. It's a fact that they feel trapped with no escape when it comes to debt. I promise it gets easier when you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Larry and I love to see the type of house we'll be able to afford when the debt is gone. I also dream of the kind of vacations we can take once we're debt free. That's motivation for us to keep going. So guys, when we first moved, it was hard. I remember the late nights and the difficult days. I used to go to school full time, had a job, and also did research on the side at the university. I wanted a better life so bad I lost sleep for years. I ran on nothing but caffeine and hope. Me and my wife went so far out of pure hope for something more. If we failed, it meant we lost and we wouldn't have a strong future. People always say they want more, but it's not until you come to a cliff that you learn how strong you can be. Eric Thomas said it best. You have to want it as bad as you want to breathe. Me and my wife knew we could do more, so we took the plunge. I made sure I did everything for our marriage, finances, and future to succeed. In short, it's hard to know what the future will hold, but if you do everything with purpose and direction, you'll eventually land where you're headed. Moving on to the next issue in marriages, financial infidelity. Marriages are built on trust and communication. I couldn't even imagine how painful it must feel to the spouse that has lost all trust for the person they love most. Now guys, if you lack trust, then you lack a marriage. The times me and Anna have argued is because one of us was not able to communicate how we felt or what we really wanted. The harsh truth is neither person in the relationship can read the other's thoughts, so it's important that you have your intentions, feelings, and wants on your sleeve. The easiest way to get what you want? Ask. It's very simple but hard to execute. You have to constantly be vulnerable and it's hard. It's very hard for some people but the easiest way to grow your marriage is to be honest with yourself and your spouse. On the other side of this, breaking this vulnerability creates a crack in the foundation that will eventually break under pressure. Always look at things from the opposite side and ask yourself, what if they did what I'm about to do? Would I be happy, mad, sad, or otherwise? The last two topics we're going to tackle on this podcast are overspending and failing to keep a budget. Now, the next topic is actually two topics, but I considered one. Overspending and failing to keep a budget are two symptoms of the same underlying problem, lack of commitment and control. If you're overspending, then you fail to keep a budget. And if you fail to keep a budget, then you are probably overspending on something. It's important to remember, if you failed at the budget, try again. Failure only occurs if you give up. You're still learning a budget, and it's okay to make mistakes. Just keep going. Not having a budget is stressful. You don't know where the money goes, and it makes it easy to overspend. Yet so many couples live without budgets. We know firsthand that trying to keep a budget is not easy. It's not easy to confront your spouse, sit down with them, and talk about finances. And it's not just one sit down. In all honesty, 
Larry and I have to sit down many times trying to figure out our budget. As things change in our lives, you'll need to sit down more than once. No matter how many times it takes, you'll know it's worth it to get your finances in order. I promise you'll feel the weight off your shoulders after you've achieved getting your budget down. Well, today we've talked about why it's important to have joint bank accounts, how debt affects marriage, how financial infidelity can ruin a marriage, and the importance of having a budget to avoid overspending. I hope we gave you enough insight in this podcast. If you have any questions for us, leave us a voice message if you're listening to us on the Anchor app or email us at thriftycorgi at gmail.com. We'll be happy to answer your questions. Stay tuned for us next Sunday. Thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Thrifty Corgi Money and Marriage. See you next time, guys. Bye. Bye.